Welcome back to another episode of Disconnect, the Outdoor Education Podcast. I'm your host, Joël Charrière, and today we'll be looking at, well, starting small, and that's in a couple ways, actually. We'll talk about how you as a teacher can begin incorporating outdoor education into your classroom by starting with small, simple activities, but we'll also discuss the importance of getting young children, here I'm talking mostly about early years, kindergarten to grade four, out of the classroom and experiencing nature during these most formative of years. Starting the show today will be Winston Denny, a kindergarten teacher from Austin, Texas, who is deserving of all of my praise for building up to what I felt was a monumental achievement of taking an entire class of five-year-olds outside for school, an entire day of school. He'll tell us how he got started, and most importantly, what he learned from it. Uh, and I'm also going to give you fair warning, I'll be giving you a small assignment today. But don't worry, it'll be fun. Meister Eckhart was a German theologian who lived during the 13th century. Now, the link between a medieval theologian and outdoor education is distant at best, but one of his most famous quotes, for me at least, I felt was very fitting for today's episode. The quote says, And suddenly you know it's time to start something new and trust the magic of beginnings. Let's set ourselves up for today's episode much like we ask our students to do for us when we teach by opening our minds to new ideas. Let us acknowledge that after a few weeks of summer break and much needed rest, we can finally begin looking at our teaching a bit more objectively and come to the realization that now is the time to try to incorporate small changes. It's time to start something new, however small it may be and to trust the magic of this new beginning, which will be taking a small step towards taking our class outside. Let's start with a success story first. Winston Denny, whom I presented to you in the introduction, is a kindergarten teacher from Austin, Texas. He started small and worked up to a monumental achievement. Here he is telling us about his classroom. Hi, Winston. So you teach kindergarten can you tell me a little bit about your class? Uh, yeah, um, I teach at a high socioeconomic status school. They're uh, mostly immigrants from um, Asia, from Southeast Asia, a lot of uh, Indian population and a lot of Chinese population. And kindergarten, we're talking like five years old, six years old? Yeah, kindergarten's five and six-year-olds. Um, most of the kids end up going to after-school programs for their academics. Um, they go to Kumon and they go to like after-school tutoring things. Um, so um, academics isn't as much of a focus in my classroom because most of them have it, although there are obviously kids I have to work on uh, with a lot because um, they aren't enrolled in those kind of programs. They just live in the area. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when you wrote in to me, uh, you shared with me what I found to be just this monumental achievement. Uh, I've taught kindergarten phys ed before, and I know just how challenging it can be to accomplish literally anything sometimes with a group <laughs> of five-year-olds. Uh, and you managed a, a seriously impressive feat. You moved your entire classroom outside for an entire day. We're not talking about a field trip, right? Like just like regular school outside. How did you do this? Uh, step by step. It's, um, it's always been a dream of mine to open up an outdoor school. So I'm trying to figure out how to do this. And so, um, 
and kindergarten's always been my passion. So I just started from there. But uh, it's been probably about five years in the making. And finally, after five years of practicing all these different skills, I figured out how to manage five-year-olds in a way that would function outside. Um, it, you know, it starts off with just taking them out when it was raining and I would go sit underneath. This was like five years ago. This is probably the first time I ever tried to take my kids outside uh, other than just recesses. It was raining one time and we went under the pavilion or an awning outside the cafeteria and sat down and we did rain stories. And so I think the first thing, the first step to trying to get kids to be able to do these kind of activities outside for extended times is uh, making sure that they know the outdoors can be fun. So the first day of school, we have a little hook intro and I take them out on the first day and we do like outdoors because that's my intention is to get the kids outdoors as much as I can. So we had a really fun activity the first day. Um, the schools, they always have, uh, my classroom has a mascot where the Denny's dinos, right? So we're dinosaurs and we, uh, I ordered some dinosaur eggs that have little toys inside of them. And then I hit them around the, uh, an area outside the school and we had a dino egg hunt, right? And five-year-olds don't remember things five minutes ago, but the year I asked them what was their favorite thing for the year. And three of them said, well, my favorite thing was the first day of school when we did the dino egg hunt. So having some kind of really memorable thing was my first thing, uh, my first project to do with them to make sure that they know it's fun out there. Yeah, that's really cool. And so you said rain stories. So we're talking rain or shine. You go outside with the kids. Uh, you know, what happens when a kid forgets a rain jacket or, or how, how did you plan it so that, you know, you knew that all the kids had everything? It must have been on a set day and the parents knew about it. Well, um, for, the, for the rain thing, I haven't gone outside while it was raining. Um, we went just from the cafeteria door straight outside. There's an awning over it. So we never got wet. Um, so we just went outside and uh, just sat in a little circle and told rain stories about when the lightning struck and, this, and the lights went off and stuff like that. And so we just getting in touch with nature. So we would do that a lot. Um, that was, that's always one of my favorite things, just to cancel class for a minute and go share rain stories under the rain. Because, I mean, it's relaxing for me. It's relaxing for them. They have to know that the outdoors is safe, right? And realistically, it applies. You know, it's, it's ELA, like you can make yep. some kind of a link with your curriculum, regardless of how you look at it, there's a link. So yeah. I, I think that you've got a, a ton of leeway in there. But you must have had a tremendously supportive administration. Um, in some cases, I did. I'm, I'm nomadic at heart. So I've been at three schools in the last four years. Um, but whenever I go, uh, I, I kind of just do my own thing. And if they, <laughs> if they say something about it, I'll tell them all the like X, Y, and Z, why it's so good. And they usually let me do it. So uh, I've never really had an issue with administration being upset. You know, it's obviously good. So you said it was a five-year process. And, yeah. You know, so it started with these, these dino eggs. And I'm assuming that you kind of just kind of incorporated a few more activities along the way. Yeah. Do you have any other highlights you want to share? Um, sure. Um, just for... People that are trying to get into it, um, one of the biggest things that I found made it made going outside a lot easier was uh, if if I had some, let's say I'm doing a rock project and they have to be able to classify rocks. That's one of our uh, knowledge that we have to teach them. Um, and so I'd go out there and we'd take the clades outside to the playground and I'd tell them, okay, you got to find five rocks and tell me about those five rocks and then you can go play. Like that's one of the easiest ways I was able to get the kids to engage with those kind of things. 
I use the outdoor spaces as a um, like little benefit to when they're done with their work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so positive way, reinforcement, basically. Exactly. A, a, you know, here's here's a, a little thing that you want in return for something that I want, which is the learning yeah. objective. Exactly. And so then those little steps start them to move from the outdoors can be fun to the outdoor can be learning. Um, and so it's just those little itty bitty projects that we do. And then eventually, I think this was in my third year of uh, trying to do outdoor stuff. It took me three years to spend a good 45 minutes, uh, a lesson out there. But um, I was at the school that had an area, it was called the Grove. And um, they had a little stadium or a stage out there. It was just some wood planks sitting on the ground under some trees. Um, and so I would take the kids out there to do their riding time. Um, and I would set it all up. And the hardest thing with little kids is getting pencils and papers and going outside and not having <laughs> to go to the bathroom. You know? uh, so after we get all those little things out of the way, um, we'd get there and the kids would be kind of crazy. They'd be nuts a little bit. And then I'd settle them down and they'd we'd get to work. And they, because they already have those small little things like just going outside and then going, doing the work, going to the playground. So they already know that learning is going to happen outside as well. And then kind of moving it to that writing section. Um, anytime I'd say, okay, it's time for writing, the kids would get ready and go to the Grove. They knew that writing time was outdoors time. Yeah, um, there's a lot of scaffolding and, going on to the point where oh, they, they, they came to expect that this certain activity means we go outside. They must right. have loved that. Yeah. And, and they'd get upset if it was raining. I'd say, it's writing time. And they'd say, oh, we're going outside. And they'd look out the window and be like, nope, not today. <laughs> That's great. That's amazing. So fast forward five years, you spent an entire day outside. This must have been a massive undertaking just in terms of planning. I was really lucky with my administration this last year. They would do anything they, that they thought would provide some support for me out there. Like they got some shelves. So that way I wouldn't have to transport all of the materials because that's uh, with 23 kids and one teacher, that's the hardest thing. It's like taking a wagon full of stuff out there that's going to dump over and I've got to worry about kids also trying to dump over while they're walking outside, you know? Um, so I guess we started the first, we start, we always do circle time in the morning. And so we went out there just, just ourselves and sat under a pavilion and uh, we, we had circle time and we stopped and, you know, we do a lot of mindfulness. So we took some breaths and they were listening to the trees and stuff and you know, getting them calm and ready for the day, but also being outside. So we started that way. And then I had some pretty, I was not too uh, worried about the difficulty of the projects when we were trying to do the outdoor day, right? And so we had some pretty easy objectives, but also art objectives. So we did some like finding rocks and putting them and gluing them onto a paper. And you know, there's always a reflective process. You don't know, um, like next time I'm going to tell them the, the rock has to be smaller than their pinky because none of the rocks <laughs> would stay stuck to the, you know, yeah. it's always a learning, it's always reflecting. But um, we did something like that. And uh, one of the, we, I had a kid that had a, a bathroom issue that would deal, he had to wear diapers and he had to go anywhere. And so the hardest thing was having a, a, a bathroom out there, especially with five-year-olds. But like the steps for small kids isn't necessarily getting them to enjoy and engage in the outdoor activities. It was how to structure it and make it so that they make it set up so that they could be successful. And so having the structure in place to uh, make sure I had a bathroom buddy and I had an extra badge so that they could get into the school by themselves and 
having practiced going inside by themselves already several times yeah. before under, you know, with the five-year-olds, it's all about the structure and the routine and how can they be independent? Because once they get out there, they want to be out there and they want to be doing the, the different activities outside. They prefer it. Yeah. Now this was one of the last days before classes were suspended as a result of the pandemic, right? It literally was the last day. It wow. was such a godsend that it would, I was able to finally get it all together and put, piece it together yeah. right before it happened because that's my kid's last memory of their kindergarten year is spending Amazing. a full day outside. And are they still talking about it? Oh, yeah. They, uh, all of our meetings that we had, because we had some Zoom meetings and stuff like that, they, they kept mentioning it. They, they loved it. Yeah. And the parents really appreciate it because they see the things that are going on. Absolutely. What's your biggest takeaway? You know, what did you what did you gain from this whole experience moving forward that is going to impact your teaching? That is possible. You know, I've uh, that has been something I've been working for and I've wanted to do that for a long time with the kids is to be able to have a whole day out there. And now I know it's possible. So now I can try to move the timeline up because I wasn't sure if we had the structures or if the students, because I mean, they're five years old, sometimes they can't handle a lot of things. But I think now that we've gotten or I've figured out a lot of the structures, I might be able to do that full day before Christmas, as long as we can get our jackets on. Yeah. So I think the next takeaway is like, how far can I push this? Like, how soon can we get out there? How many days? Because my plan right now was to spend every Friday as a full day. And that got canceled because of the pandemic. But maybe that can be more frequently and more often. And I'm just not sure how it's going to work. Yeah. If you had to give one piece of advice to somebody who's listening, who wants to, you know, who has these same dreams that you have, I want to take my class outside, uh, haven't been able to figure out a way to get started yet. What's that first piece of advice you give them to get started? Uh, Start small. Start small. Like I said, it was a five-year process. Um, I started out just doing little activities, taking them out for five or 10 minutes at a time. and. Um, just take them to a garden, look at it and have them draw something in a journal. That's so many different uh, skills that they need to learn. And they're outside and you're figuring out how to start structuring that. Find some little things that you're comfortable with that are easy for you and just start there and see what happens with it. That was Winston Denny of Austin, Texas, telling us about how he got his classroom of five-year-olds, kindergartners outside. Bravo, Winston. You have done a phenomenal job. Keep up the good work and all the best in the next school year. From their most tender years, children express curiosity about nature. My three-year-old daughter has this instinctive fear over nature's awesome power, apparent by her reactions to thunderstorms. This respect and sometimes fear in the face of nature unites so many in the animal kingdom. A dog owner would know. There are three dogs in our family, and I can assure you that none enjoy thunderstorms. However, I don't know many adults who are scared, and I mean truly scared, of thunderstorms. I feel safe assuming that all experienced adventurers, seasoned campers, have a healthy respect for nature, however. It only takes one experience where you're ill-prepared and nature catches you off guard to be taught that respect, willingly or not. Regardless, somewhere along the line, our fear turns into respect for nature. 
I truly believe that the time at which this transformation begins is important. In my opinion, the earlier children are exposed, the earlier they catch a bug and inspect it or catch a fish and unhook it, the earlier they can get their hands dirty and start exploring, the more fulfilling their childhood. I believe I, I might have quoted this in a previous episode, but uh, in Ernest Osborne Wilson's The Naturalist, which came out in 1994, uh, he, he is quoted as saying, hands-on experience at the critical time, not systematic knowledge, is what counts in the making of a naturalist. Better to be an untutored savage for a while, not to know the names or anatomical detail. Better to spend long stretches of time just searching and dreaming. Uh, I, I plucked this quote actually from uh, a David Sobel book. And if you've never heard of David Sobel, that's S-O-B-E-L, uh, I strongly suggest you look him up. He's Professor Emeritus at Antioch University, and in my mind, one of the foremost researchers in land-based, community-based learning, uh, which is something that I'm quite passionate about. In his book, Childhood and Nature, Design Principles for Educators, he talks about getting kids outside in and for them to have early wild nature experiences. Uh, on page nine of the book, he says, most environmentalists attributed their commitment to a combination of many hours spent outdoors in a keenly remembered wild or semi-wild place in childhood or adolescence, and an adult who taught respect for nature. That's a quote from a Louise Chala study from 1998. Lots of time rambling in neighborhood woods and fields and a parent or teacher who cared about nature were frequently cited as causal forces in the development of their own environmental ethics. Everywhere you look in, the, in educational research, it, it shows that, of course, young children are impressionable. The earlier you can get them out there with kind of this parent or teacher who espouses these values, uh, the more we can instill in children this desire to continue caring for and preserving nature, but not in a don't touch kind of way, which he also touches on in this same book, where he says, you know, too often at nature centers and in schools, we, we do the opposite. Uh, science units are on animal taxonomy in the third grade, and students never actually go outside, or young students being charged with the responsibility of saving endangered species which is a, a huge responsibility for a small child. Uh, and yet this is kind of what we, we impress on our children or on our students. And there's this prevailing don't touch attitude when children actually go outside. We tell them nature is very fragile. We shouldn't touch anything. And you know, if you follow the leave no trace principles, well, you should never take anything with you. And I understand the value of this, but at the same time, I feel that we're, we're losing so much by preventing kids from getting down and kind of getting their hands dirty. Uh, and it promotes what uh, David Sobel here calls environmental puritanicalism. We wind up discouraging exactly the behavior that Ernest Osborne Wilson in his quote says was crucial to his becoming a natural scientist. Our goal is to foster close allegiances between children and nature and by preventing them and by kind of teaching them that it's so fragile and by teaching them that you can't touch anything, uh, we may very well be putting the cart before the horse in trying to get an environmental uh, advocacy kind of awareness in the student prior to them even knowing what nature is. So let's get them outside. Let's get them playing. Don't tell them necessarily that they can't touch anything. Let's make sure that those kids who really need it have access to those tactile experiences that for them are so powerful in their learning.
it might be difficult at times to really trust your students that they'll know the difference between what's acceptable kind of tactile and making sure that they get their hands dirty and what's not responsible in terms of breaking things and um, maybe being too aggressive with the way they're handling things. Trust your students, get out there with them, get them started young. And, uh, and take a look at David Sobel's research. I'm really hoping I can convince him to get on the podcast one of these days. But in the interim, I just wanted to say, if you've listened to the episode with Emily Reed, Out to Play, that was from the Ecodrama Theater Company, and I've just received the packages that I've ordered from them. And if you go look for their educational resources, they do sell these. So I ordered them. Yes, I paid for them, paid for the shipping to Canada from Edinburgh. And they are fantastic resources. They will ship worldwide, as Emily noted in the podcast. Uh, And so I got two resources. I got uh, the resource pack for primary school teachers and just came out. um, I don't even know that it's up on the website yet, but Emily said that she could send me a copy. uh, Is the resource pack for early years. And I will tell you, these are fantastic. They are coil bound, um, laminated, beautiful, printed in color. Uh, and the resources inside of them, and I'm just kind of flipping through them right now, are fantastic. I highly recommend that you, you reach out to them and pick up a copy if you are at all interested in the out-to-play model, which, if you don't remember, remember from the interview, was about getting students out and participating in storytelling um, and, and drama in nature, getting them to imagine nature. Even if you have a concrete schoolyard, you can do this. Uh, You can get outside and and invent your own nature scapes. So beautiful, beautiful resource books. I strongly suggest you check them out. They they have uh, PDF kind of uh, teasers, if you will, on the website. So you can see a couple pages of it. But uh, it, it, lead, it walks you through it. Seriously, you could buy this book and you could go through an entire lesson. Um, you know, as Winston said, start small. This will, this will take you from those very small beginnings and, uh, and take you right through to completion of a unit. So uh, please, please, please check them out. They are fantastic. You can go to ecodrama.co.uk to check them out. None of this is sponsored. I, I legitimately think these are excellent resources. Uh, thank you, Emily, for taking the time to mail these out to me. Uh, and again, she said she would mail worldwide. So please do check that out. I said I was going to give you homework today, and here it is. It's really simple. You're a teacher. You're now on holidays. Take some time to be the student. Go out into your community, into your city, into wherever you are. And I understand different places have different rules right now because of the COVID. But if you can get out and find something that you can incorporate in your teaching, go out and find it. And I'll tell you what I did. I had some friends who told me about these giant trees in our city. Like, I'm not talking redwood giant, but... I am talking about trees that would take three or four, if not five people to wrap your arms around. And this is never anything that I had seen before, let alone in my own city. So I took my kids with my wife and uh, we went out and just went for a walk in the area where we'd been told these trees were and we found them. And along the way, there was a couple interpretive signs about, you know, the giants of the river. uh, And then I learned about riparian forest which is uh, a lowlands type of forest which which exists on riverbanks that are always kind of flooded annually. 
I learned a lot of stuff and I saw things that I never thought I would see in my own city. And so I became the student there for an afternoon and I learned so many things that I now can bring into my own teaching. And given the situation next year, knowing that if we go back to classes normally, being outside is going to be not only better for students' education, um, it'll be better for the student's safety as well. Outdoor spaces are noted as being much safer than indoor sp uh, spaces during this coronavirus pandemic. So find something in your community. If you can find it within walking distance of your school, even better. Go find something. Be a tourist in your own city. Explore. Take an afternoon to do this with your friends, your peers, your loved ones, your family, whoever. Go find something that you didn't know about, and that might be the one thing, the small step, the first step you take in incorporating something outdoors for a new lesson plan for next year. Get started now while you have the freedom to do it, the peace of mind to do it, the no stress from your, your classroom duties and everything else that you have to do at school. Take the time to do it now, and it'll be ready for you come September. Once you do find that one thing that you want to incorporate, why don't you tell me about it? I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at disconnectpodcast at protonmail.com. And if you liked the episode, consider subscribing or telling a friend about it. That would help me a lot. Next episode, we'll be speaking with the classroom gardener, Megan Zenny, who will tell us about her 10 tips for teaching outside. See you next time.